Welcome to the Love Good Podcast, brought to you by our patrons, where you learn how to love what is good and become what you love. This is Jimmy Mitchell, your host. Join me each week as I sit down with artists and thought leaders to chat about music, culture, and the art of being human. We're more than a subscription company. Love Good is a movement of artists, patrons, and young people who believe in the power of beauty to change the world. And we're so pumped you're here. Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm so excited to be welcoming you into the Love Good Podcast now that we are officially in the month of December. This is my favorite time of the year for a lot of different reasons, mostly because there are a lot of birthdays of people I really care about. So my mom, we just celebrated her birthday last week. Mine is coming up in a couple of weeks. So are many of my closest friends, including Jesus, right? On December 25th. Like this is a great month. And I know it can also be a little bit crazy. And part of what I'm so excited about right now is this conversation that I had with Father Ryan Adorjan, very much about culture in in general. What does it mean to live in a culture where human flourishing is the norm? I think that's that's a really big question and a really big conversation that we have today. But specifically, the, the role that where you live, what country specifically that you're a part of plays in your own culture, right? So what, is it, what does it mean to have an American culture, a European culture? And Father Ryan shares a lot of really, really cool moments of his own travels across the world and helped me identify what is it that makes me happily American. Not that America is perfect, you know, not that any country at any point in human history has ever been perfect, but to understand that country and therefore our country's culture does have a huge effect on who we are and who we become. And sounds kind of obvious, but man, we go really deep, really fast. I can't wait for you to hear it. So stay tuned. I'll be back in just a few moments with Father Ryan and Dorshan. Oh, my love, do you recognize this beat? Oh, it's my heart pounding as you swing me off my feet. And I'm so grateful that we both have legs to dance. Cause I can't stop a seven to the groove in this romance. And when you laugh, I hear that sound that's stuck in my head, stuck in my head. And even when you're not around, you're stuck in my head. I tell no, oh, that girl's just stuck in my head, stuck in my head. And that smile's just stuck in my head, stuck in my head I hope this little love song never ends You play me like a record, baby, string me like a ukulele Stuck in my head, stuck in my head Father Ryan Adorjan, it's been about a month. Welcome back. Back in the saddle. How you doing? Is that what we say in Nashville? Back in the, it is exactly what we say. In Nashville. You might say I'm pretty encultured at this point. Encultured indeed. These trips down here. You know, it's funny though. It took your fourth trip, meaning this trip, for you to finally get downtown, experience some of the honky tonks. Yeah. I mean, how was that for you? A little noisy? It was a little overwhelming, to be honest with you. Yeah. yeah, It's a nonstop party downtown. Yeah. And I also am a nonstop party, Mm. as you may have figured out. Yeah. Just a very nonstop introverted melancholic party, typically. (laughs) which involves coffee and sitting by myself at all costs. So yeah, I loved it. Uh, The best part was kind of you encouraging me to, first of all, download the app and then try out those Lime scooters down there. Oh man, they're fun. That was nuts. I thought I was going to die a few times. A few times. I mean, more than Uh, But your your peak speed was what? 18. 18 18 MPH, baby. That's pretty good. Yeah. 
Wow. It was going down the like the, the back side of the uh, pedestrian bridge. Well, we started off at a great brewery. This is a Sunday afternoon, which is a great thing to do on it's a Sunday afternoon. Way. And then honestly, we were navigating some side roads that even I was a bit sketched out by. Just like there's parts of Nashville that are still very much in transition. Yeah. And city life wasn't really 20 years ago what it is now. Yeah. So there's parts of Nashville that either feel chaotic and crazy because there are tourists everywhere. I mean, just an ocean of people. Everywhere. Or the other parts just feel a bit abandoned still. Yeah, like and not, where we started, it was exactly. like totally abandoned. And yeah. then great, great little brewery. But my mom and my sister, for example, didn't feel so comfortable when I tried to take their take them there once. You know, they missed out. Yeah, I mean, they missed out. I didn't even show you the fish tacos, the hamburger and fries, but like Spicy they brew fries. it all right there. The beer is amazing. These are, yeah, and I was glad that I was able to continue sort of my self imposed pulled pork tour of America. What is this all about? Pulled pork tour of America. I love pulled pork. It's really? It's probably my favorite food. Oh. I love it. And I go. love that you can do so many different things with it. I don't, I'm not very good at making it. I've maybe made it a couple times, but yeah, any, I, I made myself like a little challenge that anytime I go somewhere for the first time and if they have pulled pork on the menu, I have to get it. Interesting. And that would not just be first time in a place like a city, but first time anywhere that's a, a restaurant, restaurant that yeah. you've not been to. So that's tricky because you might be having it several times in a row. Well, yeah, in this town, everybody's got pulled pork. Yeah, is so barbecue I'm, a southern thing? Do you see what uh, I did there? I got I real southern. southern. I mean, Memphis would claim that they've got the best, but Texas would too. Nashville's very proud of its barbecue. I might have had the best barbecue in Knoxville, actually. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm happy with that. Yeah, Tennessee's Tennessee. Yeah. I but like there are that. some good places, believe it or not, like in Michigan that have really good pulled pork. What? Really? Yeah. Just saying. So I'm still getting used to these different parts of the country. I mean, I've traveled quite a bit, but there's a whole nother thing that happens when people from Michigan move to Nashville. You know, like my good friend Gabriel, who's now co-directing our apprenticeship program here in Nashville. He is from Michigan. I'm now living in community with him. And that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. You know, that's, I think, a far sort of deeper encounter with a place than just visiting for a night, you yeah. know? You know, you've obviously traveled quite a bit yeah. and you have seen so much of the world. How do you describe like, you know, this idea that good people are at the foundation of good culture, you know? Where do you find yourself thriving best as a human person? You know, what is the, the key descriptors of a culture where you really thrive? I mean, wow. you're still young too. You're 27. Yeah. You're younger than me. No, That's for sure. Hard to believe. It is but, hard to believe yeah. since I'm the one who looks like he's 42. Well, I don't Jimmy so. looks like he's about, what, 16, 17? Yeah, I mean, the problem is I hang out with a lot of 16 and 17 Keeps you young. Keeps and I hang out with a lot of 80-year-olds every true. day. So yeah. at Donut Day. So that's the way it is. I think, so I like to start, I guess, thinking about it from the perspective of like on a national level. Okay, so sure. outside of the United States, I've lived in Italy, Israel, Palestine. What? And Peru. Visited or lived? Well, I don't know if we can call them visits. Visits is a week or less. Oh, yeah, then way I mean, more you've than You've been there for like a week or more. Yeah. Upwards of a month in Months at a time. Months at oh, a time. Wow. In each one of those places, months at a time, yeah. That's crazy. The thing that I like about that place, those places, as opposed to America, is that they have history yeah. <laughs> and yeah. they like their history. Mm -hmm. And so our culture, our nation is formed out of rebellion <laughs> is, is formed out of, weren't you just reading that? Yeah. The closing of the American mind. You have it sitting there. Yeah. You remember um, the page number? 
No. Yeah, you literally just quoted something just like I that. I opened it to, it, to it chapter amazing. 11. Let me see if I can find it. Do you really want to find it again? I mean, only if it's going to happen in the next five seconds. Here it is. Whoa. It's literally, the chapter is called Our Ignorance. And what's this? This is by who? Alan this is by Alan Bloom. Okay. The Closing American Mind, How Higher Ed Has Failed Democracy and Impoverished the Souls of Today's Students. It's a classic, right? Yeah. Yeah. In reflecting on the language about which I've just written, the thought behind it, and the way it has been received in America, I am reminded of one of my teachers who wrote a Ten Commandments for Americans that began, I am the Lord thy God who brought thee out of the house of the European tyrants into my own land, America. Mm -hmm. Relax. That's what it says. (laughs) And then he goes on to talk about what he calls half-digested distillations that I think a lot of our culture in America sort of half-digested ideas, half-digested ideology that is pretty easily refutable, at least from the standpoint Mm. of classical Western culture, Mm. which gave birth to all of these great nations, in particular in in Europe. A lot of people, you know, Christians are bad and Christianity ruined it, Mm. but (laughs) Christianity is the reason that we have the West today. So anyway, so when I come back to America then, you don't find a common rallying cry as you would in Israel or as you sure. would in the West Bank, Palestine, as I like to call it, or in Peru, for example, where there's a common culture, there is a common language, but there's a common kind of raison d'etre, isn't there? A kind of reason for being something that defines us as a people, as a nation. This is who we are, you know? I love going to England. I always say it's America with culture. Yeah, <laughs> It's America with a tradition, you know? And the last time I was there, it was a few years ago now, but I, one of the people there was saying that they had just sort of had a vote on whether we liked the monarchy or not. Mm. And overwhelmingly, they did. Yeah, They wanted it to stay because of what it represented and of, of what it was still giving to the people. But then you come to America, and which is a beautiful land. I, I'm not disparaging it at all. I'm so happy to live here. And because in other countries, we maybe wouldn't even be able to have this podcast, you know? But at the same time, There's no common anything except Mm. a common enemy, which is tyrant, right? Tyranny. But there's no common definition of tyranny, is there? So, you know what? Your tyrant is my friend and my friend is your tyrant kind of a thing. So, you look at the differences now between the regions of the country and the different states within the region. And then you look at, like living in Illinois, you have Chicago and then the rest of Illinois, you know, is sort of forgotten. Everybody mm. thinks that Everybody lives they're in synonymous yeah, and yeah. that's not true. So the plights of people in Southern Illinois, and there's a really good podcast if I can plug it on here, but it's it's by a man named John Cass, K-A-S-S. And he's on the editorial board of the Chicago Tribune and one of the big editorial writers for them. But he has a podcast called The Chicago Way, mm. which really helps break open Illinois politics but especially the Chicago way, which is a way typically of strong handing, corruption, back channeling, all kinds of stuff. How do we navigate it? How do we understand it? And then, you know, in the seminary, for example, then we had guys with us from Kansas Hmm. and they come to Chicago and they're like, I hate it here. I never want to be here again because they're used to a different kind of good home living out in Kansas. You know, in fact, they used to get mad at us because we, we would say, we're Chicago. We are the Midwest. And they'd say, no, we're in Kansas and we're the Midwest. Mm -hmm. You are the great lakes region. Mm. You can't make up a region. You're not the great lakes region. Nobody says that. Anyway. So there was always be like these 
you know, at loggerheads with each other about where we're from and whose ideas are the best, you know. To be fair, Chicago feels a lot more like New England than it does Kansas. Yeah, absolutely. You know? that's, absolutely. That's the trick. You're sort of I don't know which one to these argue. Regions. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that over time, the Kansas guys won me over to a more Kansas way of living, which is yeah. very much the genesis of my own kind of ideas about culture and, yeah. and the importance of it. So yeah. I think what makes a culture, I don't really know, mm. but I do know that to ignore the history and to do things purely out of rebellion without moving into something new, again, that half-digested yeah. distillation, to move into that and to rely on that, this is building a house on sand. I've always heard that about good discernment too, that it can't ever just be a running away. It's got to be a running towards. And I'm a second child, which makes me a, a restless child. You yeah. see what I did there? Thank you. Thank you. And it really just means that there's something in me that does sort of mm, want to cry rebellion, that does want to say, I'm doing things my own way. I don't know how much of that's just the American imagination deep inside of me. Yeah. Or just being the second, you know, in a family of three, we're not even talking about a, a, a huge family here where I, I felt some need to differentiate myself from the other siblings. You know, a hundred years ago, I think the average American family had seven kids, yeah. the average. So it would have been still not quite just the Catholic normal. ones. Yeah, yeah. Not even just the Catholic or the Muslim ones, you know? Yeah. You would see families with 10 or 11 kids and not blink an eye. Now we look at those folks and we think they're a little crazy unless we get where they're coming from or we know them personally, you know? I unfortunately know a lot of moms who end up at the grocery store with their three or four kids. And frankly, they are belittled they and persecuted, yeah. you know? Yeah. So we are living in strange times. And it is interesting to think of an American culture that is rooted in something, you know, somewhat inherently negative, rebellion, right? But I have to say, like, it it plays on my heart and my mind and my imagination all the time. Like, I love traveling and I love experiencing history and culture, but I'm never prouder to be an American than when I get back from a long trip abroad. Yeah, amen. And I just revel in our freedoms and I revel in in the in the goodness of, you know, my own family's four generations here and, you know, all that we have brought to the world stage. We'll be back in just a moment with Father Ryan Adorjan. All right, so as you have picked up on, we've now got a handful of contributors, people like Father Ryan Adorjan and Dr. Ryan Hanning, who are going to be a part of the Love Good podcast on a regular basis. They're also a part of something called Love Good Academy. Okay, Father Ryan Adorjan has recorded a handful of talks specifically for our apprentices that we are now making available exclusively to our patrons. I'm bringing this up because every now and then on YouTube, uh, we're putting out excerpts of those talks to really just give you a glimpse of what our patrons are getting behind the scenes. So if you are not yet subscribed to our YouTube channel, today is the day. Go to youtube.com slash love good culture and subscribe to our channel. One, because that helps us out a ton, especially when we have new videos releasing, which happens every single week. Okay. Every week we're either releasing a live music video, an excerpt from a talk or some beautiful promotional of an album, of a book, of a package that's coming out. And uh, it's just a great way to not only stay in touch with Love Good, but to really be constantly inspired by this way of beauty. And again, the role that beauty plays in evangelizing culture. So again, subscribe today at youtube.com slash lovegoodculture. culture. 
I feel a certain pride always, like in the customs line. Right. With my American totally. passport. I always feel pride with that. And what is that? Because obviously we're not sitting there thinking the whole time, oh, like, look at us rebels, you know? Yeah. We we sort of had it, had it our own way, you know? That's not just like a Burger King motto. It's sometimes kind of how I live. But at the same time, I couldn't be an entrepreneur. I couldn't be a missionary. I couldn't be an artist all at the same time anywhere else on planet earth. Yeah. Like that is a uniquely American opportunity. And the only reason I know that is because in every other English speaking part of the world I've ever visited, it's become very clear that my lifestyle wouldn't be sustainable over there. Great to visit, great to be a part of some events, great to be in relationship and in community with people when I'm traveling. But to live the way that I do at this particular moment in human history would be very hard anywhere but America and maybe even specifically Nashville. Yeah. But it's because of the country and the economy and the the way of life that we have. Yeah, and I think when I get that passport out, yeah. it's not at all meant to be, when I say I'm proud of it, I don't mean it to say like, I'm proud to be from here and not there. Looking at those other people, na 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 boo boo, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it's a thing of gratitude, just like you for said, sure. to be grateful for the gifts of, of what this nation has been, but then also to look at all these other places and to say, I, I think I would rather live in Southern France yeah. than in suburban Chicago. Yeah. I think I would rather yeah. live the life of the people in Southern France who know who they are mm. than in a, in a place where I'm not sure if we really know who we are. And that but is the I, challenge. We don't know who we are in this yeah. country a lot of the time. And I think that what's happening in our country today is sort of, I don't know, I want to say it, it can be sort of indicative of what's happened yeah. in the whole of Western culture in the sense, we were talking about this a little bit earlier, but are we in danger of losing our republic in America? Mm. First of all, remember, we're not a democracy. <laughs> we're a democratic republic, right? right? Democracy, the people make the decisions, but the republic, the people choose the people who make the decisions. Mm -hmm. So are we in danger of losing some some basic aspects of our republic? I wonder, you know, because <laughs> I think that we've abandoned a lot of what the founders envisioned not necessarily in terms of, because the founders could never have envisioned a lot of the social problems that we're having today. They never could have envisioned our economy today or yeah. our tax system today. But are we abandoning the first principles that they left us? Mm. And this is why I love the study, especially of like theological anthropology and particularly studies of like Western culture. What is the impact of the incarnation on Christian thought and culture? That's a plug for St. Thomas Catholic Studies Department. Dang. But what is the impact of the incarnation on human thought and culture? Mm. And it's kind of developed into what we're calling first principles, that right. there are certain, if you want to use the word, inalienable tenets of what we believe upon which everything else is built. And if you start to abandon some of them, like the existence of objective truth, for example, or the dignity of the person and that role, its role in the pursuit of happiness, for example, you start to see what you've built begin to crumble. Mm. And so I think that our little situation in America today is actually a pretty good representation of what's been happening to the West in general, that the mm. West has largely lost who it is, starting, I mean, when the French Revolution, at least, beginning, I think, knocking on the door, at least, no pun intended, with the Reformation, yeah. and beginning to question things that needed to be questioned. Martin Luther had a lot of good points to make, but to abandon it all together and to go off on his own again in that spirit of rebellion, mm. it causes great damage. If you want to yeah. fix a thing, you don't just start a new thing, you yeah. fix the thing. Right. So 
then you got the French Revolution saying something that no society, Christian or pre-Christian, no society had ever said, which is, we don't need God. Mm. We don't need religion. We don't need divine anything. We don't need it because we have reason, you know? Mm. And you have even the great physical manifestation of, you know, ripping the altar out of Notre Dame in the 1700s and putting up the goddess of reason, mm. putting a, a prostitute dressed up like a, a Roman goddess. That actually happened? Yeah. At the cathedral in Paris. In Paris, yeah. They they named it, renamed it the Temple of Reason. For how long? I'm not sure exactly. Wow. That was in the midst of the revolution. But it was part of the revolution. Wow. Yeah. The, when all the property, the church property was seized and you clergy, you crazy clergy, you take the <laughs> oath or you die basically. Yeah, yeah. And we don't need God anymore. It's possible to live because now we have reason. Mm. And what we're seeing is, okay, yes, reason is a good thing. Scientific advances are a good thing. All of that, the scientific revolution has made so many good things, has made so much headway for us, I think, as a human race to be able to better understand this place that we occupy together. But at the same time, it's brought attention away from the questions that it will never be able to answer. Mm. There are certain questions that science by definition will never be able to answer. And they're the questions of this podcast, really. Yeah. Who am I? Where am I from? Where am I going? Why am I here? Why yeah. is this happening to me? What does it mean to be alive? What does it mean to die? What does it mean to be in communion and relationship with other people? What is communion with other people? Mm. These questions that whether we codify them in language or not, they're the burning questions of the human heart. And for anybody to deny that there are burning questions within their human heart, they are either so ignorant because they've pushed yeah. them down and they no longer feel them or they're lying. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And just to be able to really now be living in a time when we as I think Christian believers, we as people who want meaning of life back, I guess, to be able to just be comfortable about saying, this is what's going on. Yeah. These are the questions of your heart. And you know, you know this from giving a talk, especially to middle schoolers and high schoolers, that as soon as you begin, okay, is evolution real? Everyone wants to know. Mm -hmm. Can the church, can yeah. you be Catholic and like evolution? The answer, of course, is yes, mm -hmm. sure. As long as you acknowledge who's driving the bus, you know, but those are cool questions that people ask. But then as soon as you begin to talk about what are the lies that you believe about your life? What are the ways in which you feel your life going off the rails? Mm -hmm. What are the ways in which you've convinced yourself or have been convinced by your experience that you're unloved? And you start to talk about things in those lenses. I felt it. I know you felt it. You can see from the front of the crowd to the back, it quiets. That's right. And people don't know what to do or say anymore. But in a very beautiful way, the walls it's come the down. It's the most beautiful. And that, they're yeah. ready to encounter. And at the want, very least, you. Yeah. But perhaps the, the possibility of the divine again. Exactly. It's funny. This was my experience last week. Went into our Catholic high school here in Nashville. Spoke to a bunch of juniors and seniors. Oh, what's it called? Father Ryan. Which is why every time you come to Just town, making sure it is knows. confusing. I did get a know? quarter zip from there once. Yeah. And uh, it's my only embroidered name tag I've ever That's had. right. Yeah, I'm going to take that from you and I'm going to give you something new. That'd That's be great. a little bit, you know, anyways. So <laughs> That's the words of the Father more to comfortable me. comfortable at the, the very least. The um, I don't have any of their memorabilia and maybe that'll happen one day. But all that to say that I went in there, juniors and seniors, 
from what I understand, they were supposed to pepper me with questions and sort of debunk whatever talk I was going to give, specifically about the virtue of hope and what it means to be patient in the waiting. Hmm. Whenever there is darkness in life, whenever there is confusion, what does it mean to be patient and and specifically to wait on God? Well, you know what happens as soon as you're pulling from your own testimony and sort of going like this with your heart, suddenly everybody else is doing it as well. It's like, as soon as you're vulnerable, they have permission to be vulnerable themselves. Yeah. And it eliminated the possibility of debate. And that wasn't even my design. It was just my hope that they would encounter the true and the good and the beautiful, that they would encounter God, that they would encounter what it really means to be human, even if it was just this 25-minute respite, you know, in the midst of the rest of their day that is full of AP exams and thoughts about the future and the girl or the guy that they're really interested in or already dating. And, you know, the, the fact that their life is sort of tough, beautiful, at times like really joyful and at other moments really meaningless, you know? And to help them even begin navigating those questions, it was a real joy. And what it meant is that by the end of the class, the questions got much more meaningful and much more personal, you know? And I think this is, this is not just what, you know, the, the church through her priests can offer the world. I think this is what artists, it is what like the, the everyday person engaged with reality can offer this world. I just know that if it wasn't for my faith, it'd be, well, first of all, impossible to, to have ever found that perspective, but also impossible to have maintained it, you know? And so much of our hope with this podcast and the, the music, obviously, that we produce and promote, the books that we publish, the art that we commission, the events that we put on, we want to help people navigate their own joys and struggles, their own desires and inclinations to bring their hearts back into, you know, that place of wholeheartedness we've talked about, but to also not live some sort of fantasy and not live some sort of hyper-focus on utility and and pleasure, which I think are the two things this world kind of offers us, but to say, hey, there's actually more to this life. And you begin pulling back those veils and pulling back those layers one by one. You see people tapping into the mysteries and tapping into the, the real joys, the triumphs, the tragedies of the human experience. And suddenly things are in full color again. Yep. You know? Living color. Living color. So this is good. And I, I suppose it is very safe to say that the culture that we live in very much affects our ability to go there. Very much, in a sense, disposes us to, to be more human or or less. Father Ryan, it's always a joy, yeah. a privilege. Thanks for your words of wisdom. You teach, like not just in moments like this and not just from a pulpit, but in a classroom. How many times a week? Once a week? Once a month? Yeah, it's once a week. Um, um, I think it's technically adjunct faculty yeah. at the University of St. Mary of the Lake, which is the fancy name of Mundelein Seminary. It's amazing. I teach in their Institute for Pastoral Leadership. So It's amazing. Uh, yeah. Of teaching dogmatic theology this well, year. You've got the gift. Thank and you. I felt the need to open this little journal like a thousand times and take notes, but I realized, oh, that's right. I'm in a conversation and we are filming and uh, this is a podcast, but thank you for You're sharing welcome. that gift and You're sharing welcome. your insights. And it's, I mean, I just want to, I think, highlight the fact that it, it's very difficult to talk about what's happening in real time, mm. you know, mm-hmm. to, to speak about it in a, in a, kind of cognizant way as it's happening, especially on the level of culture, because then you begin to jump into the meta narrative, you know, and that's very difficult to get into. You can only see it and know it 
really by looking at what happened before mm. and comparing it. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So in this case, I, I just want to, I think it's, I want to affirm that it's okay to have these half digested totally. <laughs> ideas, you know, as we go forward. But to even begin to entertain them is really what is going to make the difference for us as people who see or who believe in the ideal of a higher, a better culture. Mm, I love it. Well, thank you for, at the very least, peaking the uh, innate desire that we all have for that. And yeah, we'll see you again in a month. Can't wait to come back and visit next month. Peace. Bye. Whoa, I march like a toy soldier Obeyed every last order to keep The peace so high everybody hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as i enjoyed not only having it but listening back to it a couple of times now it's such a joy and you have no idea what a privilege it is to not only sit down with people like father ryan but probably even more than that to meet people like you out there on the road along the way who are very much on this journey with us and very much a part of these conversations so just know that as i'm sitting down with with father ryan or sandra mccracken or stephen day or andrew peterson it's like you're there with us next week i'm super excited to sit down with a new friend by the name of jeremy casella he has a brand new album out we met at the hutchmoot conference only a couple of months ago here in nashville he's been making music for over 20 years He's incredible. In fact, I was so moved by his brand new project that I bought 70 copies that I'm just giving away as Christmas gifts. Nothing to do with our seasonal packages to patrons. These are just 75 copies of an album that I had to buy because I believe in it so much. And we're going to not only hear some tracks from that album next week, but hear some stories behind them as well. So come back next Tuesday, as always, with Jeremy Casella. We're sitting down having a really cool conversation about his new album. And as always, hope you guys are having an amazing week, a great start to the month of December, and we'll see you soon. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Love Good Podcast. Tell your friends all about us. Follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and join our movement today by subscribing as a patron at joinlovegood.com. Start enjoying our exclusive content and seasonal packages that will raise your standard for music, books, and art and inspire you to build a better culture. We can't wait to accompany you as you change the world.